When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of the Terrace Extra. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined down the line today by Joe Sked. Hello. And Robert Borthwick. Always coming second. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's just a better name to say second. I'm sorry. Fine. Fine. No, it's, it's fine. Your heart's fine anyway. Almost, always the bridesmaid and all that. <laughs> right, this is the first in a, in a new series of podcasts. Uh, this is a... So I, I took my inspiration for this from something that the Ringer do uh, for, they actually do it, they've been doing it recently for NBA, which is where I just get most of my ideas anyway, and think, how can I take this and convert it into Scottish football? Uh, and uh, the, the latest one is they do kind of, they look back at drafts from, from previous history and they kind of redraft them in, in terms of which player should have went first, who should have went second, blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking, right, I, I like these podcasts. How can I make a Scottish football one like this? Because obviously we don't have a draft and I'm not going through like young players from every season and finding out who played one game or whatever. Like, you know, if fucking Ryan Gold played once for Dundee United the season before he was then kind of burst onto the scene. So instead, I thought, we'll go back and every we'll look at, to start with, every summer transfer window. And then if we're if this is popular and we still feel like we want to do it, I think we'll then move on to January transfer windows. But basically, we're going to look at a, a specific summer transfer window and we're going to just pick the top. Well, we don't know how many. <laughs> we've, all, we've all studied for 20 today because I don't know how long this is going to take us and I don't want this podcast to last two hours. So I want it to last a decent amount of time, but I'm not sure how long it's going to take. So we've, both got, we've all got a list of 20. Let's see if we can get through that amount. We might just get to a top 12, a top 10, a top 15, whatever. But we'll, we'll, we'll basically, we're experimenting on the fly. So hope you enjoy it. Hope you, you get how it goes and what we're basically about. It's just basically ranking the best top flight signings from that specific window. 
and we're going to take a pick each as opposed to each bringing a list. Because, like I say, if we want to get through 20 players, if we all had 20 players, then that would legitimately be a three-hour podcast. So, I've got first pick. So, from this summer window, sorry, I should probably say, this is from 2007. And I'm going to pick number one, the best signing of this window, in my opinion, Scott Brown to Celtic. Cop out. <laughs> Cop out first pick. That's what, but I tell you what, if, if I'm drafting for my own imaginary team, I'm fine with that. Um, no, it's, it's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think at the time, the, the eyebrows were raised around the fee uh, and how much Celtic were paying for him. I think it was £4.4 million pounds. Um, from Hibs, which obviously a Scotland uh, Scottish team to Scottish team transfer uh, was a high amount at that time. Probably still is quite a high amount, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's the one that makes the most sense with the, the beauty of hindsight and how the last 13 years has gone. Um, he maybe didn't start amazingly well at Celtic, but since then, obviously, he's, he's become what he is, the, the shite bag that we all love. Joel, you seem to raise some eyebrows there. Uh, no, no. If if they were if they were raised, they were raised in agreement because he was he was my first pick as well. Yes, because I think you just have to look at his resume since going to Celtic. So that's uh, nine Scottish Premiership titles, soon to be ten, I presume. Uh, five Scottish Cups, six League Cups. He's been in the PFA Team of the Year one, two, three, four, five times. He has been the Player of the Year twice and the Football Writers Player of the Year once, and also he became Scotland captain during his time at Celtic. So. I think when we do a lot of like when we do like best signing stuff for the end of season awards as we, as we typically do, we're often judging them just on sometimes uh, usually one season is enough to, to realize how good a player is or, or not, but sometimes it's a small sample size, and you could probably say that in the case of Scott Brown because I think by the end of the season he wasn't even a, a regular starter for Celtic. I think that was when they moved I don't know if it was this season or maybe the season after, but they kind of moved into using Hartley and Robson. As their, as their central midfield too and it did take about three or four years for Scott Brown to be fully embraced by the Celtic fans and saying no you you are worth the money you are you know a leader of this team uh, but obviously it's his career at Celtic has aged tremendously I always forget how much Celtic actually paid for him as well that's his, his transfer transfer fee I think it still is the record between two Scottish clubs around four and a half million Yes, I believe that's. I believe that is still the record. It's still. I mean, when when you when you think about it at the time, thinking that that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to spend on a domestic player. But he really has been value for money. Okay, Joe, you've got the next pick. Who you got in number two? I've gone for one season wonder. Well, just one season wonder in Scottish football, Carlos Queller. Yeah, yeah, I've got the same. He is his, his career at Rangers is quite something because you think when you when you look at the amount of games he's played, sixty five. Okay, he's he's played across two seasons. That was one season. He played sixty five games in a season. <laughs> mental, absolutely mental. Nineteen games in Europe, which is uh, which is frightening. But when you take everything in account, how good a uh, how good a, a defender he was. Really classy defender, but adapted really quickly to Scottish football. He was, the, I think he was a player of the, he won player of the year, well, he certainly won a player of the year award at some, um, maybe a couple. And they bought him for 2.3 million and they end up selling him on, selling him on like 12 months later for 7.8, which is, which is incre- incredible business. Obviously the money, don't know where the money went with, uh, with, with, with Rangers, but he was for a season just absolutely fantastic. And he went on and had a, had a great career in the Premier League as well. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, to uh, have somebody for one season, uh, to sell them on for three times as much as you bought them for, and this is obviously the, the campaign as well, Rangers made the UEFA Cup final, and if you had to pick mm-hmm. one player out of all of them who is uh, most responsible for Rangers getting there, you'd probably pick Carlos Queller. That uh, second leg against Fiorentina, where it was basically it just seemed to head everything or tackle everything, was legitimately one of the best performances you've seen from a, a Scottish football player uh, in Europe and a long time. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Carlos Cuellar. Um He had everything, even just the, the look. He had the hair. He had the, the, the weird braces that he was wearing as well. There was so much about him uh, that I just really enjoyed. But he, he was quality. I think he was genuinely, for me, a toss-up with Scott Brown over who I would pick first. Because in terms of absolute talent, um, Cuellar was just a, a cut above. He was a phenomenal player. Um, sort of around the time that Rangers had the, the likes of John Allen Boomsong and all that kind of stuff as well so they, they had uh, Majid Bouguera they had all these centre-halves coming to the club um, that sort of maybe played at a higher level before would then go on to play at a higher level um, but in that in that season where Rangers played like we said so so many games he was just an absolute stalwart at the back um, I, I loved him I thought he was absolute absolute quality And was, Joe you, you, you were right it was a uh, won both players player of the year oh no sorry he won I don't think he won, it's not got here if he won players player there, because this was at a time, remember, when they had three awards and the Premier League used to pick yeah. one as well. So he won the yeah. Premier League one and he also won the writers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he looked like a, he looked like, just going back to his looks, he just looked like a big geek, uh, which I think you kind of endeared him, uh, kind of endeared him to uh, more people a bit more. I, I did enjoy just looking at his uh, the Wikipedia page where he said that uh, when he got one of the awards, he said he wanted to stay uh, with Rangers for the rest of his life. He didn't play another game after that. <laughs> <laughs> Always funny. <laughs> right, uh, Rob, who have you got as pick number three and the best signings of the 2007 summer transfer window? So that, this was, um, as I'm sure we'll go on to find out, a really strong window for Rangers. Obviously, they did go on to get to the uh, UEFA Cup final, all that kind of stuff. I have gone for maybe some slight bias, but Stephen Naismith um, as, as my pick for, for next up. I think Rangers fans won't thank me for uh, bringing him up, obviously, because they hate him now. Um, but his achievements uh, for Rangers in that sort of five years that he was there were brilliant. He won six trophies, uh, all told. He really embodied uh, what that sort of Rangers era was about. You know, he was a proper hard worker. He'd get stuck in. He was hated roundly by any opposition fans and players that he came up against. Um, and he, he, was, he wasn't just a, a sort of really good player for Rangers. I think he embodied a lot more um, about what they were about at that time as well. Um, Obviously, he then, as was always the way, uh, went on to kick on a, a Scotland career after they'd signed for one of the old firm as well, uh, which we see quite often. Uh, I think he had been capped by Scotland once before he went to Rangers, but thereafter, um, he became a sort of regular starter for the national team as well. Um, but on top of that, he, he did score goals as well. He wasn't uh, sort of prolific, I think, in that Rangers team. You, you had more of your, your Chris Boyds and stuff like that. But he was still really effective, uh, won a lot of penalties because uh, he was diving a lot at the time. But I think that it was just sort of who he was as a player at that time. I, I think he was quality. Um, relatively decent transfer fee for him, I think. 1.7 million from Kelly. Um, not the most, but still a, a decent wage to, to, to spend on him. But no, I'd, I, I had a lot of grudging time for Stephen Naismith uh, in that Rangers team. I fucking hated him. But... 
he, uh, he he was he was such a good player for that team. I've got him. I had him a little bit lower, uh, but Same. the kind of reason for that was it took him a, a little bit to get going, uh, and he also had didn't have his injury problems to to seek at Rangers as Stephen Naismith's uh, entire career has kind of gone that way. He did have he had two seasons where he only played a combined twenty six games. And I think he had. I think he had maybe bad knee injuries in both of them. He certainly had it in one of them. I remember, I remember him getting a bad knee injury, I think, in a, a cup game. Uh, and he didn't see him for a while. Uh, and he really only had one season where he really kind of played up to the level that we think of Stephen Naismith and a Rangers top. I think that was the season where it was him and Nik- uh, uh, Nevica Jelovic uh, just tearing it up up front where he got 15 goals in all competitions. And that was the season where he, he played the most games as well, playing 44 in total. So definitely deserving of being in the top 10 for me, but I had them a little bit lower. Um, but it's, it's a lot of these guys are much of a muchness. It was very, it's very hard to pick between some of them because, like you say, and I've even got two other Rangers players in my top 10 as well. Uh, so it's just they, they had a stormer of, of, a, of a transfer window. Yeah, nope. I've not got much to add. I've not got much to add to it. I just, I, the reason I have gone, I've gone a wee bit further down is I just don't really represent them with Rangers. Obviously, the the, the way it unfolded and uh, before the unpleasantness era, shall we say, uh, you don't really it's kind of. Um, sorry? Kickstarted the unpleasantness era. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's weird because you don't really, uh, you don't really kind of. Um, connect them with that just the, the the hatred that he provoked from Rangers fans and just in my memory I, I, I didn't have him down as being a kind of that talismanic figure that he kind of went on to be or certainly be with uh, with hearts at Rangers but then again yeah as as both both of you mentioned he's uh, he did prove himself to be a very good player at the time right so we're back to me with pick number four now we've, we've We've praised Rangers, deservedly so, for, for their transfer window. I think Celtic as well, not the most consistent of transfer windows. There was a, a few getting, eh, eh, ones in there. But I think in terms of hits, they really hit them well. So they hit on Scott Brown and they hit on my number four pick, Scott McDonald. I think uh, he was just, he was a good player in Motherwell. And they got him fairly cheap. I think it was seven hundred thousand was all they paid for. Yeah, them. it was. Yeah. So, so it's not exactly kind of. It's it's one of those signings that for the either half of the old form is kind of always seen as a, a bit more of a gamble because you're not pl- you're not paying the sort of money that you think. Oh, we're definitely going to get a, a great return off this guy. I think he was he was viewed as somebody who was a very strong Scottish Premiership player or Scottish or SPFL player or sorry, <laughs> SPL player as it was at the time. Uh, but I'm not sure that a lot of people thought he would go in and be as good as he was for Celtic. But he was brilliant for, for two seasons anyway. Uh, I think his first season was when he finished top goal scorer in the league. He got 25 in the SPL and 31 in all competitions. He then managed to grab another 19 in all competitions the following year. And even in his last year where it was a bit more disappointing, he still managed to score 14 goals in 29 games. So nearly you know, nearly averaged a goal every every second game. So he was also... Scored big goals in Europe. Of course, he scored against AC Milan, the famous goal where the, the fan ran on and brutally assaulted AC Milan goalkeeper Dida. And yeah, I think Scott, Scott McDonald deserves to be uh, up there on this list. I had him number three overall, but I'll settle for number four. Yeah, I, I had him... I've been kind of moving around my, uh, my list, but I had him very high just, just because... 
Just because when you kind of touched on it, Fuller, before he moved to Celtic, I remember he was linked with both Hearts and Hibs. And I kind of, when that happened, I was like, hmm. I think he's a, he's, a, he's an alright player, but I can't see him can't see him scoring, being that goal scorer that maybe Hearts have lacked uh, in a long time. And it obviously went to Celtic, and over these two and a half seasons, he did average uh, exactly a goal every other game, which is which is fantastic for uh, for a player who, like you said, did seem to just be a very solid solid striker in the Scottish Premiership, and that really elevated his career to be Australian international and to get moves down south. And you've got to got to credit he kind of I was going to say his professionalism, but uh, stories about his uh, preseason uh, training or lack of preseason um, aversion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you can tell during the season that he's 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 very very committed. There's not really much room to add. I, I think that um, sort of watching him as a fan of another team, it was always just a total pain in the arse. You know, even though he, he didn't uh, he didn't necessarily uh, put in the, the hard hours on the training pitch um, that, that maybe a lot of people would expect. He was still buzzing about a pitch for 90 minutes, um, but not just that. He was, he was always capable of getting on the end of something and scoring. I really liked Scott McDonald. I think you know, that this was an era where so many of the players in this list were linked with uh, Hearts and Hibs at that time. And they all ended up going to, to teams that weren't then because Hearts and Hibs both had a pretty bad transfer window. Um, but it was always the same. It was always these guys were sort of at your, your mother wells or, or whatever um, and were, were picking up headlines or were scoring goals. And it's Scott McDonald's another one of them. Um, I do really like him. I had him fifth in my list. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for McDonald. I think he uh, deserves to be quite high up. Before we move on, you said there Hibs had a bad transfer window. Do you have any Hibs players in your top 20? No. No. <laughs> no. No, not, not a single one. It, it, it was, it, honestly, like, see, see, when I was looking through the, uh, the list on Wikipedia, I just laughed. I, I, I didn't even think about copying and pasting a name into a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we get around to doing the worst signings of these uh, transfer windows, then Hibs are going to feature very, very highly. I seen, yeah. I seen Chris Killen, and I thought, oh, he could be a one for Hibs, but then I realised it was him leaving Hibs to go to Celtic. Which, which also could be in one of the <laughs> worst, because he was terrible for Celtic. <laughs> Infamous Chris Killen. Um, yeah, so moving on to moving on to myself, I have kind of been moving these around because the, the, ne- the next kind of three or four I've got on my list are just so interchangeable. But sticking on with uh, Scott McDonald, so Mullerwell lost him, and you think that's going to be a big blow. They got 700k, which is great. But then in comes Chris Porter, who looks like a gangly, awkward huddy, but turned out to be a really inspired signing. Helped him obviously get to uh, get to third place over his over his spell there. He had a good goal scoring record, twenty seven and sixty seven all, all in. And in the end, Motherwell made a four hundred thousand pound profit on him. And I think it was certainly probably that was around the time when Motherwell started just to pick up really really um, shrewd signings from down south. And they're still they're still do, uh, still doing it almost fifteen years on. Yeah, I'd add Chris Porter as my number five as well. I think he he was really excellent at Motherwell. Uh, yeah, a big guy, but also somebody with a, a decent touch as well and a, a good goal scoring ability. Really suited. I kind of don't remember a lot of teams for this era because this was obviously before we started doing the podcast. But I actually remember mm. that Motherwell team pretty well. Uh, and there was always a a four three three that Mark McGee yeah. used to play with, with Porter at the centre of it. And I think it would have been Jamie Murphy maybe and David Cormack. Or yeah, maybe oh no, it was McCormack as well. I can't remember if he played in the three or he plays a kind of number ten in the midfield. But 
he um, they certainly it all seemed to fit together very well, and it all kind of Porter was definitely the the focal point of that. He was the one that made it all tick because not only could he be getting on the end of chances and tucking them away, and you know making the most of Motherwell's pressure or possession or whatever, he could also he was also the man who helped bring others into play. He was. And not only did he, he do them a great turn, he also made them money, having come on a free as well. I think he was sold for 600000 or something like that to Derby, maybe even 700000 So he ended up making a, a, de- a decent whack out of them as well. So all in all, all that adds up to be a very good sign and uh, why he was so high up for me as well. He was kind of the, the start of a formula that Motherwell have uh, used to great effect, um, I think, ever since then with the likes of... John Sutton, Michael Higdon, um, Lucas Juktovic, you know, all, all these sort of large strikers that play in the middle of a three with two fast wingers hitting balls in the middle. Um, I kind of feel like he was the sea change for, for Motherwell in that sort of instance. He was the guy that came in and uh, set up what has been a, a pretty useful and consistent formula for them ever since. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot of time for Potter. Good player. They even, uh, they even tried to do it with Wes Fletcher, but then he... Uh... Unfortunately, the, the guy that they brought in to sit on the bench behind him turned out to be very, very good in Louis Moult. So that was the end of him. I, I, I quite like there was someone on Twitter the other day that posted up uh, team lineups of Chel- uh, Chesterfield versus Stockport from a few years ago. And I was like, every single time these sort of lineups are posted, there's at least five players who played in Scottish football within those lineups. Wes Fletcher was on the bench for Stockport. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob, who have you got at number six? I have got, uh, like Joe, I'm, I'm sort of uh, uh, chopping and changing this a lot, but I've gone for Craig Bryson from Clyde to Kilmarnock. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that he's, he's not coming lower than this, actually. I, I absolutely adore Craig Bryson. I think, um, you know, just, just seeing exactly what his career trajectory was um, and what could have been as well if it wasn't for injuries a, a wee bit later. Um, he came into Kelly on a, a free transfer, as far as I can remember, um, from Clyde at the time. Um, obviously quite a, a, a decent Clyde team as well. Um, but he came in and became uh, a player that pretty much every other team in Scotland wanted. And I, I think that, again, we're talking about rumours at that time. Um, his sort of all-action play in the middle of the park, the fact that he could score long-range screamers, basically at the drop of a hat, um, his passing, his influence on that Kilmarnock team as well. Um, he, he was a fantastic sign. And that, again, it's sort of... I think there's a lot of people on this list that came in on free transfers or certainly uh, didn't cost a lot at all. And I think that he might be the best of the freebies, to be honest, Um, coming in uh, and and sort of influencing that Colmarnock team as much as he did. Um, Yeah, I absolutely love Craig Rice. And obviously he went to Derby, I think, four years later. But in that time at Kelly, he still managed about 150, 160 appearances um, and just became a a proper um, uh, sort of mainstay uh, in that midfield and they also signed a, a, another sort of midfield attacking midfielder in this window as well that we might go on and, and speak about at some stage but uh, yeah he was he was a sort of shining light of the, the Kelly transfer window great signing I uh, just you, you mentioned it right at the end there about him over a short period of a few years at Kilmarnock racking up loads of games and he was always that reliable midfield force and I think he was the kind of same when he went to England that's why since he's came back to Aberdeen he's been so disappointing because you're expecting him to just be that you said mainstay of Kelly's midfield he's expecting him to be the mainstay of Aberdeen's midfield and the fact that he's not being able to get on the pitch has just been one of the most disappointing aspects because I was really looking forward to seeing Bryson can only remember him um, bits and bobs from his first spell in Scotland 
Uh, didn't I don't watch too much uh, lower league English football, so didn't see too much of him in England. So I was really keen to to see um, bring him bring his talents back up, but it's it's, it's been a disappointment again. I, I did have him a, a wee bit lower. I had him exactly where he's ended up. I had him at number six. And uh, just to read out what Brian Clough, sorry, Brian Clough, <laughs> from heaven, what Brian Clough said. <laughs> Nigel Clough, uh, channeling his dad, <laughs> said, uh, called Bryson when he signed, called him a tremendous signing, a leader on and off the field, and a player with energy and ability in abundance. I think, I think maybe Bryson, I had Bryson a little bit, so number six, and I think Joe maybe had him a bit lower as well, just because he... He maybe didn't have quite a kind of standout moment at Kelly that kind of that kind of captures the imagination like maybe some of these other players. Right, so it's me. So Bryson was my number six, and I think everybody. Oh no, I've actually got one that hasn't been said so far, which is Stephen Whit- Whitaker from Hibs to Rangers. Now, when this when I was when I was drawing up the list, and I was just getting the names. I had Whitaker a little bit lower than this, and I kind of thought, well, Whitaker was he, you know. Was he really that liked at Rangers? Did he really do much apart from, you know, the this obviously the spectacular goal that everybody remembers uh, against Sporting Lisbon, where he, you know, ran half the field and, and scored a, a vital goal in their march to the UEFA Cup final. I think I'm right in saying. But then I looked at his stats at Rangers. He basically played all the time. <laughs> First season, 48 appearances, then 31, then 50, then 52, then 28, and five seasons at Rangers. That's 209 appearances for a team that, in his time, I think would have won, what, three titles? Let me just look that up as well. Yep, three titles, two Scottish Cups, and three League Cups. I mean, he may not have stood out all the time. He may not have kind of reached the... I mean, Steve Whitaker's had a very good career, but I don't think he maybe necessarily became as much a fan favourite as some other players that Rangers have signed from other clubs in Scotland in recent years, but... I mean, the proof's in the pudding. He was a he was a member. He was a valued member of that team by uh, until you know the last season. A uh, very successful management team, uh, and Walter Smith and Alan McCoy's as, as his assistant also helped him get to the FA Cup final as well. So yeah, I think Steve Whitaker two million. I don't think Rangers fans would necessarily say it was like a bargain of sorts, and obviously they don't want to say anything nice about him at all now, considering it was him and Naismith who, who'd done that kind of incendiary press conference where they, you know, basically, well, it was not basically, essentially said that Rangers were a, were a new club and they, they didn't play for Rangers anymore. Uh, that, yeah, that maybe counts against him a little bit, but over, all in all, somebody who turned out to be a, a, a great signing for Rangers in the long term. I... Uh... I think you made a compelling point because, but when I looked at Stephen Whitaker's name, I just thought, right, he was a solid, uh, solid player for Rangers. Only really, the, the the big moment was his goal against Sporting Lisbon um, in the UEFA Cup run. Sorry, Sporting Club, give him the proper name in yeah. the in the UEFA Cup, and how he was just a kind of. Around that era for Walter Smith and Rangers, he was a kind of perfect player who could dip in and out of positions. He was versatile. He was reliably trustworthy. And I think that's why he played so much. He was a lot further down in, in my list, but that was kind of because I didn't really appreciate how, how effect, just how effective, how um, consistent or reliably he was for Rangers. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with his versatility. So often he'd be played sort of centre midfield. He could be played on the right midfield. He could left back a bunch of times as well. Uh, and I think that was kind of the the 
all the strings to his bow for that Rangers team, especially with Walter Smith in charge, uh, looking to get the, the most out of the players that he had at his disposal. Um, but I think, you know, Stephen Whitaker's uh, later years, uh, when he's come back to Hibs, uh, when he didn't maybe set the header light at uh, Norwich, can maybe distort uh, memory a wee bit. I, I really liked Whitaker. I think he's a, a really fine footballer. Um, his touch, his dribbling, um, the amount of assists he gets as well, um, especially in that Rangers team, he got an awful lot of them. Um, and yeah, I, I think he was maybe a wee bit lower on my list, um, but I, I think he's he's definitely deserving to be within. Is it still the top ten? I think it is. Um, <laughs> that was number seven. That was number seven. There we go. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he deserves to be there or thereabouts. I, I think that at the time uh, when he went from Hibs to Rangers, there wasn't a sort of huge amount of surprise that Rangers had gone for him because he, he had been performing at a decent level for Hibs for that long. I just don't think anyone expected him to become this. Uh, mainstay in the Rangers team that played quite as many games as it did. Okay, who have we got next, Joel? Uh, it says number eight. Number eight. I mean, there's there's a few midfielders who are on my list, and the reason I've went for no, I'm, I'm going to. I mean, I've been swithering between three. There's three um, three players who had, had great impact at their clubs. I'm going to go for Stephen Hughes at Motherwell. Because he was, I think he Motherwell beat Hearts to sign him, if if I remember correctly, Correct. that summer. I think they signed. Uh, it was it was a nominal fee. I think it was five kind of five figures to bring him back from from down south. And when we talked about Motherwell playing in that four three three formation, how they were really attacking, Hughes was the one that knitted it all together in the middle of midfield. He seemed to just have that uh, ability to control the midfield and. I remember that season watch, watching his influence in the Motherwell team and thinking, fuck, Hearts really could have done with him because he was missing that exact player. He had an absolutely fantastic, uh, just an absolute fantastic spell at Motherwell. And it was it was one of those where once he'd moved on, he came available, available again. Motherwell wanted to bring him back because he, he performed so well, so consistently. He just seemed to, he was just the brains of that Motherwell team. I actually can't uh, believe you've you've picked him above an player that I thought you you were going to you were going to go for because Stephen Hughes he was good he was good and he was in a team that finished third finished third is not winning a cup can't believe he didn't go for Prince Blavin that's who I had at number eight can't believe he didn't he was, do it he was he was he was, he was uh, as I look at my list now Prince Blavin's above Stephen Hughes and <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just thought in terms of in terms of influence because the other one I was considering was Willow Flood. The when you look at Willow Flood and Prince Bavin obviously came in had great uh, what they did at Dundee United was fantastic. Uh, Prince Bavin played over a few seasons. Willow Flood obviously was sold on to Celtic, but Stephen Hughes coming into uh, coming to Motherwell and I think he was uh, I swallowed well I put him above Chris Porter, but he was um, I think he he was a big. Um, a big, big factor in them finishing third. Okay, fair enough. R- Rob, please write a wrong. <laughs> oh, you can't. I suppose you can't write a wrong because he should be number eight. But let, let's uh, let's give him the next best prize with your number nine. All right, listen. My hypothetical team has won here because I have signed Principal Abin in the draft. Um, I think, like, obviously, you can look at Boabin's Dundee United career as a whole. He's a cup winner, uh, you know, a total fan's favourite as well, uh, building midfield partnerships with uh, a number of different players that are also held in really high regard at Tannadice. But you need to remember, like, when he signed in 2007, I think he was 18 or 19? 19. 19. 
yeah. So he was still a teenager, and I, I think you know um, he, he was signed as as one for the future. But he just slotted right in. I think in his first season they played thirty odd games um, and just went straight in and became this sort of like driving force uh, in the the Dundee United midfield that could get forward, that could get back, he could tackle. Scored a couple of goals, but his his passing was absolutely phenomenal. Like you know, I remember. Um, Dundee United come to Tynecastle a couple of times and both times I was like this guy's amazing and every single time obviously I ended up playing for Hearts and he was fine but um, I, I think um, yeah the, the, like we are talking about with uh, with Bryson previously you know that, that ability to drive a team forward from the midfield and Boabin came in at the age of 19 and was able to do that at Dundee United um, as I say uh, the fact that the fans took them as well um, is sort of a, a huge part of this as well um, just sort of having that that I think at the time in season one in 2007 he would have been a cult hero but then obviously going on to become a, a lot more than that later on um, but no I, I loved everything about Prince Blagan when he was at Dundee United and he's one that I was hugely jealous of uh, every time he, he rocked up against Hearts Yeah you're uh, right Rob first season 30 appearances then 25 and 43 then 44 so he made 142 appearances in total 11 goals and one Scottish Cup winner's medal. Uh, to talk about, we're three jambos, we may as well talk briefly about his time at Hearts, even has got nothing to do with this. Uh, he was very good in the Championship as an impactful player, but then for, for then on, I thought he got a little bit of hard time for fans because while Same. he wasn't necessarily a great top-flight player, he was always somebody who made his way into the team because he was a very disciplined tactical player and done exactly what the manager wanted. And I think that was always, it's always helpful to a team where you just have somebody who's just basically a, a soldier and just listens to what the manager says. Because I remember at one point, the Hearts team was shock, shock horror in the last few years. The Hearts team was horribly imbalanced and it didn't have any width. And Prince Babin played some games in the left and midfield, but he actually kept width. He would stay on the left, even though he had absolutely no ability to go down the left-hand side and whip in a cross or anything. But he stayed on the left because he knew that that would, you know, widen the the pitch for the rest of the team, especially when they had, I think it was like Don Cowie on the right who who would come inside, and Jamie Walker and Tony Watt. Jamie Walker would push up, Tony Watt would drop back, and basically it was three players who would just be standing on top of each other. So Bob had done the same as Cowie on the other side; it would have been four players. But he was one with the the tactical discipline. I'm not sure where he has had that at Dundee United when he was like 20 years old. I'm just going to say yes, he did, <laughs> because then that makes it relevant. I, I liked them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Right, number 10. That is now my pick, isn't it? Yes. So number yes. 10, I'm going to go for uh, a man who earned himself his hero status for just for just hanging around. And that is Lee McCulloch going to Rangers from Wigan. He was next up on my list. Yeah, he was pretty high on mine. Fair play. I mean... Number 10 is probably a bit harsh on McCulloch, but then again, he didn't maybe necessarily hit the heights was maybe expected when he signed because he came straight from the, I think he pretty much came straight for the Premier League, hadn't he, with Wigan? And you kind of wonder, oh, he was also kind of a, a very kind of dangerous forward during his time at Motherwell. And you tended to think, oh, he's going to kind of rip it up. And I don't think he'd quite done that, but you got what we got for... Lee McCulloch, kind of later stage Lee McCulloch, what we can remember them as. Somebody who would graft, somebody who would give a run, who wouldn't let the management team down, who would elbow opponents incessantly. And he ended up being quite a useful player for Rangers for a number of seasons. A useful squad player playing on the left majority, but also playing up front and in his latter years, even though he definitely shouldn't have in defence as well. And 
overall just somebody that Rangers fans ended up really loving because when a lot of players left and he still had enough in his career that he probably could have gone somewhere else, uh, he decided to stay and they very much appreciated that until I got to the championship season and he was definitely not good enough to play second half in the championship and he was fucking rubbish. But there was a lot of happy times before then. Yeah, I think, again, it's sort of, it's mixing um, personality with talent. And I, I think, you know, he was the sort of guy that uh, Rangers could hang their hat on whenever they wanted to. Um, who could, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was the olden days Andy Halliday. He could come in and he could stir up the troops uh, and, and be that guy who puts in the meaty challenge to get the crowd on side. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I'm kind of reticent to say that his best years were down south because he did have a couple of really good seasons with Rangers. But I, I think that you're right in saying that he maybe wasn't the complete player that he was when he was at Wigan. Uh, I know that he's still revered uh, massively there. Um, but no, I, I think McCulloch, um, like you say, what, what he went on to do uh, with Rangers um, through the journey um, and, and staying with them all the way, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll hold him. He could have left. He could have left, but he didn't. He could have left. Um, I, I think a lot of them will still love him for that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's he's worthy of being on the list. I would say. Right. I'm glad I draft him. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Good manager, though. Eh? <laughs> Good interim manager. Yes. Joel, who's your number eleven? My number 11, I just mentioned him uh, a wee bit ago, is Will Flood. Dundee United brought him up, and again, he uh, he was he was only there a season and a half in his first spell, but it was enough to enough to earn him a move to move to Celtic. Big thing with Flood is that it's not 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 the nicest to look at, but when you watch him as a footballer. And he's a very nice footballer to watch, especially in that spell with uh, with with Dundee United. He was again. He brought a lot of uh, brought a lot of brains to the to the Dundee United midfield. I uh, I was I was considering doing a Will Flood impression, but I have far too much hair to ever do a Will Flood impression. Joe, you could probably do a good Will Flood impression. I could. I could. <laughs> uh, I've just re- <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, I've just realised um, just realised that he was only on loan. United. I think yeah. it was. I think Celtic bought him from Cardiff rather than yeah. buying him from from the United. It was two loan spells. But to back up your spells, point, yeah. what, what I'd say about Willow Flood is that I think the the first spell at Dundee United was the best of Willow Flood as well, because he, he went back to uh, Tannadice a couple more times as well. He obviously played for Celtic, but at Celtic he didn't really didn't really play too often. I think that maybe stalled the momentum of his career, and he never quite recaptured the the player who was so well revered at United when he first arrived. Sorry, I've just been distracted by reading out reading that he got sent off uh, in the first half of his debut and then played in the reserves uh, afterwards and got sent off there as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his anger wasn't just limited to playoff semi-finals. No, definitely not. I think that that's always that's always been there. Right, Rob, we better start motoring through these a wee bit more. So we're now at number twelve. Who have you got? Right, so I've gone for one that's uh, that, that's maybe not the very best, but it's, it's it's more fun and it captured the imagination at the time. I've gone from Marius Nikolai. Oh from, wow! Uh, from Mainz to uh, Cali Thistle. It was a prime time signing. It was incredible. <laughs> why, why was he in Inverness? I didn't even yeah. have him in my top twenty. He was. I no. no, I'm telling you, man. Uh, I, just because at the time, right? So it was. He, he'd been playing for um, Sporting Club de Lisbon uh, two years previously. He got a UEFA, a UEFA Cup runners-up medal two years previously. 
And then he was still playing for Romania up front, uh, starting striker, and then he signed for Inverness Cali Thistle. Absolutely amazing. I, I mean, I think, you know, his goal-scoring record at Cali was actually all right as well. Um, I think he got 10. Uh, what, it was like one in four. It was uh, eventually it was, all right. He didn't score in the league until December. And then after uh, that, he hit a bit of form. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I say, he ended up being great. So I, I think as it, like, when I was looking through this, I wanted to have a, a good proper nostalgia hit high up in the list, and that was mine. That was, like, thinking back, that was probably one of the most memorable signings of that window because no one understood what the fuck was going on uh, and why on earth he was rocking up in Inverness. Uh, obviously, he was uh, a short and sweet time there. He was only there for uh, one year, I believe, just one season, uh, and then realised that he could go and get way more money elsewhere. Uh, and he went to Dino Bucharest and scored an absolute outload of goals for them as well. Uh, but no, I've gone for Marius Nikolai just because fun. I, I still remember signing him uh, before uh, coming across him on Football Manager, Chapman, whatever, whatever it was back then. And he was really, really good. And I, I was really excited doing him for this sign. I'm really excited. He was a bit of a disappointment. But then the kind of pa- even when he left, I'm sure the pattern con- continued because there was a fallout of, uh, of money owed or something. Yep. As it's like prime time, man. That's what I'm saying. I want to change the tempo a wee bit on this bitch, but there we go. It was, it was, it was absolutely mental when he signed, and I think that was maybe why I left him off because ultimately for me it was a bit of a disappointment because when he signed, he was good enough that he, he, he kind of thought he should be hitting at least twenty goals, and maybe I think it was just a case of him taking a while to adapt to Scottish football. Had he stayed another season, it might have got to that, but at the end of that season, that was when they because he had a two year deal. It was at the end of that season when the Inverness chairman resigned, and he was the one paying his wages. And uh, once it was realised that they weren't, nobody was going to be paying his wages anymore, Kelly were like, well, we're going to have to move you on because we literally can't afford you. <laughs> right, my number 13. So I've got a player ahead of this in this list, but I think this player is going to be mentioned at some point. So I'm going to go for somebody that I don't know whether you guys will get to uh, because I do think he deserves to be up here. I'm going to go for Arno Riera from Sunderland to Falkirk on loan. Hmm... He's number 20 on my list. Ah, right. Very much beloved by Falkirk fans. Uh, he was one of the ones, there was a couple of players that I had that I was like, there was, I was looking through the list and there's like a lot of players that I, I just didn't recall at all. So if there's anybody at the end that anybody listening at home thinks that I should have put on here, then, then feel free to get in touch with us. But I was looking through the list and it was just like, there was two guys that I was like, I don't remember much about them, but I think they were pretty good. So both of them are on my top 20. Uh, and I, I reached out to fans of the individual clubs and said, what do you remember these guys? So I reached, the, uh, got, reached out to Gordon Sneddon for the Falkirk for Riera. And uh, yeah, one of the top five classiest players I've ever seen at Falkirk. As soon as I saw that, I thought, well, I'm going to have to put him in. <laughs> he, was such a man. <laughs> he, was, he was on loan for two consecutive seasons. He only played uh, about half as many games as he should have done because he, w- he did have his injury problems. But he was just one of those players that was just... He was so loved by Falkirk fans. He was such a, a technically great player, which is what you kind of expect from a, a Spanish kind of loan player coming. Whenever you, whenever you sign a Spanish player on loan, you just want them to be technically brilliant. They maybe not always are, but that's what you're just expecting. And that's what he was. But he was also a grafter and a battler and somebody who could pass the ball. And Falkirk fans just adore them. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't really matter whether you are at a club for, for 10 years or whatever, or whether you make 50 appearances, you can make only like 25 or something. But if you leave such an, an indelible impression on a supporter's base, then I think you must be credited as a great signing. And that's what he did for a team that were, you know, often struggling at the bottom end of the table. 
he is the he's the type of player who when you see his like CV Spanish midfielder thinking that I need to you can't not get excited about him. He played more than 140 times for Barcelona B. I know it's their second uh, their second team, but still you're thinking that's that's good enough for me. Get him in, build the team around him, give him what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the same Barca B team as Messi. <laughs> Genuinely teammates. Right, Joel, who's your number 14? Right, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to do uh, uh, what you did with the in the top 12 centre-backs and I'm going to chuck two names at you, but they're linked. So I'm going to go for Lucas Aluska and Gregor Shamotulski. Ah, I'll allow that. Yeah. Yeah. So Zaluska was, so, uh, was signed uh, first, but then he got an injury, so they had to sign uh, uh, Shamotulski, and they were just peppering the Polish goalkeeper market because both turned out to be excellent for Dundee United. Zaluska stayed there a lot longer. He was... I, I remember him making a, a, a couple of errors, but uh, as a whole, you look at his presence, You he was capable of being fantastic, uh, fantastic saves. He had great size, he was very commanding, and then you had Shamotulski, who was mental, but some of the saves he made were absolutely incredible for a baldy. I remember when he, I remember when he signed for Hibs. Uh, I was actually a bit concerned because I thought, oh, fuck, he's brilliant. He was great at Dundee yeah. United. And he was rubbish for Hibs. Yeah, I, I remember that. I was thinking, the Hibs have finally signed a good goalkeeper. But no, uh, he, 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 he gave it all for Dundee United. Yeah, he was only, he was only at Dundee United for Shamatulski. He was only there for six months. Yeah, just basically until Zuluska got fit. So I'll confess, Shamotulski was very a lot higher up on my list, and then went on to his, uh, checked uh, his Dundee United career, and he was like only played a, I don't know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty games or something. I thought, well, I can't do, I can't have him that high. He really captured the imagination, though, Shamotulski. Like he, he was, did. Aye, he was, he was, yeah, he was that sort of guy that every other um, sort of team in the league were like, oh, kind of wish we had him. <laughs> <laughs> right, Rob, who's your number fifteen? Uh, I'm 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 rapidly running out of players here. Um, I think I'm 28. I I know, but I'd like <laughs> you know what it's like when I get to this part of the list. I could literally just put any of them in. Um, I'm one, go for- sorry, 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 Rob. There's one player here that I think deserves to be mentioned because I had him quite high. I had him number 11, uh, and I thought he'd be mentioned right after I mentioned Riera, but he's not yet. So I th- I think he should be coming. So I'll pick him next. But I think you've got love for this player as well. So. I'm surprised if you're not going to pick him now. I've got love for this player, though. I, right, I okay. think so. Um, I, in my list, have got Sonia Luko. <laughs> you don't have love for him. <laughs> Couldn't care less about him. But um, I was sort of thinking back to that season and things that happened that season. And I remember before going to a baby shambles gig, I watched Aberdeen versus Bayern Munich uh, at Pataudry. Um, and Aluko was great in that game, scored in that game. Um, and I, I think, you know, obviously he, he went on to sign permanently for Aberdeen about a year and a half later. Um, but even just in that, that sort of short spell um, in that team when he was on loan, he, he just showed a wee, bit of, a wee bit of class, a wee bit of trickery. And, and sort of like we're saying with uh, players previously, could just sort of light up a game, um, could excite fans, could get them on their feet and stuff like that. That's basically why I've got him high up. I, I know that in his second spell, he was maybe a wee bit more consistent and obviously that led to a move to Rangers as well. Um, and I, I don't know if that counts because I believe there was a, a team in the middle. Yeah, he played for 
Blackpool for one game. So I'm not going to count that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I did. I had a lot of time for Sonny Luko. I think maybe his best years in Scotland were at Rangers. Um, but I, I think he's a, a cracking me player um, that then went on to, to play well for Hull City for a good few years as well. Um, but yeah, it's just my, my sort of one of my biggest memories um, from that season. Not watching Hearts, was watching that Aberdeen game um, at uh, Petodre against Bayern Munich, and it's uh, a big memory. See, for you look at this a couple of ways. So I didn't. I had initially had a, a look who just outside my top twenty. He was originally named in my twenty, and then I got the, the couple of players. I got Riera, information on Riera, and another player that hopefully I'll get to that, that bumped him out. Uh, but the reason I had him quite as low was because I kind of included it as his overall kind of Aberdeen sign, like the fact that he was on loan and then eventually signed for them. So it's kind of one lead, one bleeds into the other kind of thing. And after he'd signed, so Aberdeen fans liked him in his loan spell. Uh, once he'd signed permanently, he didn't seem to give a toss as much. And then he signed for Rangers and then he seemed to really care a lot more and was very good. So I think Aberdeen fans don't have a lot of love for Aluko, but... You're probably right, and you should just look at him on that loan spell altogether. And in that loan spell, he was good, and Aberdeen fans were happy to get him back, and he did score against Bayern Munich. So, not a huge amount of argument on, on my side. Joel? No, I, I've had him uh, just slightly lower. I didn't. I wasn't overly impressed with him at Aberdeen. I thought he was quite inconsistent. And then when Rangers signed him, I, I didn't think it was going to be that great a sign. I didn't think he would have the impact he maybe did at Rangers where it was kind of short and sweet and I certainly didn't think he was going to have the, the career he had in, in England but again overall decent and like Rob I, the, I think the one abiding the memories is of him in Europe for uh, Aberdeen Right my pick is next so I am picking number 16 and that is Don, Don Cowie Come on, guys. How can we get to this point and Don Cowie does he come up? Don Cowie he, was, he was next to my list. Right, okay. Don Cowie, I had him, I had him 11th originally. Uh, <laughs> Don Cowie signed in from Ross Kerry to Inverness. He was excellent for Inverness. Oh, he played the year and a half. But he was the... That was like when the, they had the, the, the three-man midfield at Inverness. They had John Rankin, they had Ian Black, and they had Don Cowie. Now, I'm not entirely sure why. But the, the former two seemed to get more headlines and seemed to get more attention. But I always thought that Don Cowie was the best player of the three. And it certainly proved that way with their respective careers. That Cowie went on to play numerous seasons in the English Championship. I think he also probably played a couple of seasons in the top flight in England as well. And Ian Black's you know, best thing in his career was... Uh, absolutely panel in Lee Griffiths in a Scottish Cup final and John Rankin's career highlight was hitting a daft shot that Arthur Boric threw into the net. It was worth it for the merch though, fella. <laughs> it was certainly worth it. It's worth it for the name, the squiggler alone. But yeah, Cowie, I thought, he was only there for 18 months so maybe that could count against him. Maybe that's a little high to have him there. But he was, for me, I thought he was excellent for Inverness and just the fact that he he caught the attention of... I think it was Watford he first went to before he then signed for Cardiff. Uh, that shows just how much he managed to impress in that team. Looking at back at his career, that was a huge transfer him for him um, making that step up and proving himself in the in the top flight before moving down to England. Me, right. me and Don Cowie will always have that free kick at Kilmarnock. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. Who have you got number 16? I have got Daniel Kuzan. Oh, wow. I don't even have him at all. One reason, that goal against Leon. 
He was, again, I think he was our signing for Rangers, which was just a useful one that season. Only played a season. It was relatively cheap, uh, three quarters of a million, I think it was. And they sold him on, uh, I'm sure they sold him on for a profit. It was, looking back at his Rangers career, it was actually quite, he packed quite a lot in for for one season. He was sent off in the UEFA Cup. He was, I think he scored on his debut. I think he slagged off teammates, which he said he was uh, misquoted. There was uh, even after a few months after signing, there was already talk of him leaving because he had the release clause in his in his contract. He nearly left in January, but overall, I think he was just uh, it was it was it was a bit of uh, it was a bit box office. It was a bit box office, but it was somebody that arrived. I suppose it was only seven hundred fifty thousand. Uh, still, that's that's a fair amount of money for most teams in Scottish football. Mm. And his Rangers career. Oh, attack! I'm not going to get statistics here. It's only showing me international goals. I'm going to have to look up soccer base to get Danny Cousins' uh, career totals for Rangers. But I don't think he scored enough for for having number seventeen in this list. And the fact that we we never want to be entirely old firm centric. I don't think he'd done enough to to get on there. Actually, his, his goal record wasn't as bad as I thought. But he scored that's thirteen goals in. Uh, 12, 14, 16, uh, 42 games. Not terrible, but not great either. Not enough for me. You got sent off, Woods. That's not any better. That's not helping your case. If, if Rob's allowed Marius Nikolai for power, Danny Kuzan's coming in for power. Aye, but at Aye, least Inverness, at least Inverness, Inverness fans can say, remember that time we had like a brilliant Romanian international striker who was our main striker? Rangers fans, like, Rangers oh, fans can you remember that time Daniel Kuzan scored the winner in Lyon? <laughs> I, I don't think they were saying, remember when we had Danny Cousin? He was great. I fully endorse this pick, Joel. Thank you very much for bringing it up. <laughs> uh, if, if we're putting in, putting in guys for a pattern, I mean, it's that time of the draft anyway. I'm, I'm absolutely all for it. Right, Rob, and on that pick is Larry Kingston. No, I'm only kidding. He's <laughs> <laughs> a number 18, Rob. Uh, Larry Kingston should have been there, but uh, ended up being shite. Um, I have gone for uh, another guy that bewitched and bedazzled me uh, every time he played, Mehdi Taul to Kilmarnock. I really liked Mehdi Taul at Kelly. I didn't realise he'd signed in this window. Yeah, is I think that? so. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was on the list. See if I've just made that up. That's a really weird thing to make up. <laughs> he, might have been, he might have been outside the window. Oh, really? He was in October. He was unattached. Are we not counting it then? No, we're not counting that. Oh, I would sake. say he just contained. He's, 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 he's a free... Rules are rules, Joel. Rules are rules. Rules are rules. Well, it's going to have to be Larry Kingston then. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's absolutely not. Um... Yeah, there's, there's a few Don't names. Throw, yeah. I've got to throw out some other players I've got in my kind of longer list. Uh, right, so who have I got? So we've not mentioned Michael Stewart yet. Yeah. Uh, we've not mentioned Michael Higdon. Yeah. Michael, Michael Higdon wasn't great at Falkirk, but he did score the goal that kept him up. Uh, David Proctor, uh, the, you know, the writer of um, Craig Brewster's biography, he's, uh, he's, he's not been mentioned yet. I like yeah. how the way that you, um, you you sort of said he should be in the list is because he wrote an autobiography. That's good. Um, <laughs> really he it. did, actually. That's, a, that's an old tennis callback. <laughs> um, um, Ruben Palace-Willos, uh, Darren Dodds. Yeah, Tal- 
Palazuelos is probably the one I'd go for because I'm a Hearts fan and I'm biased. But I think Palazuelos um, didn't immediately come in and start turning heads. But what he contributed to Hearts, um, sort of as his career went on, was a heck of a lot of versatility. He tried really hard. He clearly loved being at the club. Um, and he was part of a, a decent Chabalazlo team, decent enough Chabalazlo team that was boring but effective uh, and finished third and got into Europe. Um, yeah, I, I, I did have a lot of time for Palazuelos. I, I think the, the sort of biggest thing you can say about him is that for a matter of months he was put to left back uh, and it didn't really have any sort of detriment to the team whatsoever. He played there, he played there well. He actually got forward a lot um, from left back as well and, and put crosses into the middle as well as being solid uh, defensively. Um, so yeah, I, I would put Palazuelos in there um, above Michael Stewart. I mean that's I mean that's not entirely unfair. I mean Palace Willows I think had four good se- four seasons at Hearts and uh, yeah. was pretty consistent and pretty decent across that spell. Stewart only had three, was excellent to start with, but kind of faded out and by the end of it had kind of worn out his welcome. So yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's that unfair to have Palace Willows out of Michael Stewart. Good. Right, it's my number nineteen pick now. So we've only got two left. We've basically just gone through the top twenty. That's fine. I have gone for Will Heening to St Mirren. I, I consider him, consider him. Yeah, so he was the other guy that I didn't really remember much about, but I kind of remembered, I think he was all right. So famous, asked, uh, uh, famous wife. Who's his famous wife? Um, I'm not going to say because, two secs, I'll, I'll find out. <laughs> really famous then, eh? <laughs> Aye, the photos of you climbing up his drain pipe to take photos through the window. <laughs> Uh, Michelle Marsh yeah Michelle Marsh oh right right, there you go yeah yeah Um, he was uh, has been in Wikipedia I really can't remember much about him to be honest Uh, but it has been as a defender I think he could also play the midfield as well I think um, from what I can recall but he was just uh, an excellent player he only played two seasons but in the first season he was really good well liked by the fans to the point where he was awarded fans player of the year and I don't know if there's anybody else left on this list that uh, had such an accolade. So, yeah, my number 19 pick, Will Heening. Joel, take us home with number 20. Uh, we've, we've kind of touched on both of them. Um, they've got two choices left. They've got Michael Higdon or Michael Stewart. And I'm going to go for Michael Stewart. Again, he's one of those hearts players. I, I didn't mind. I, he, he got a lot of stick. He got a lot of stick. I mean... His, uh, I don't like a lot of Hearts fans then, so don't kind of liked his. Uh, I think that he had he was, there was a perception of him being very arrogant as a, a as a as a footballer. I'd remember being at Tandice when he was involved in a shouting match with a Hearts fan in the main stand at uh, at Dundee United. But he was a talis, uh, talisman for uh, for a wee while and. He finished top goal scorer one season, or he was close to finishing top goal scorer one season, mainly because he took penalties, and that's yeah. the only way, only way we could score. But I remember him against the one that stands out is a, a home tie against Dinamo Zagreb. This was later on. This was not this season, but a home tie against Dinamo Zagreb. We were out of the out of the tie, and then he put him on his best performance, his individual performance, and it looked like we could claw it back. We didn't because that what that's not what we do, but. Uh, overall, I think he was he was he was pretty good for not pretty good. He was he was an, he was okay for us. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think okay, verging on pretty good, uh, just right on that border. Um, I think is fair enough. Obviously, he was adored by Chaba Laszlo when he came in mm-hmm. as manager. Uh, Michael Stewart in the middle field and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, I, I think that having him towards the, the the dregs of this list is fair enough. Um, I, I think, like you say, he certainly cared. Uh, you couldn't say that he didn't put in any effort. I, I think that what turned a lot of Hearts fans against him was his attitude towards his teammates uh, and his attitude towards the, the fans themselves um, was, was just sort of, I think it stuck in the, the craw of a lot of people. Um, but no, I, I think it's fair enough to have him there. I, I think it's fair enough to have him above Higdon as well because uh, him signing for Falkirk, he was fine. Uh, he scored an important goal, um, but no, Higdon didn't make my list. So I'm fine with Michael Stewart being there as long as he's below Palace Villas, which he is. Did Michael Stewart in the middle field? Oh, fucking hell, man. I, I, to think that I loved him at that time. Not Michael. <laughs> Not Michael uh, yeah, Stewart, Stewart as well was excellent. His first, like his first four months when Hearts basically didn't have a manager, he was literally the, bit the only player, he was literally the only, player, the only person at the club that looked like he knew what he was supposed to be doing. And have a manager for the whole season. Yeah, and he, well, uh, Stevie Field was appointed manager, but you, you know. Like I said, we didn't have a manager for the whole season. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and he just, yeah, he just used to tear around the park all the time. And when it just, at a point where every Hearts fan just thought, well, all these guys are just a bunch of fucking mercenaries. And what the, like so many players coming over for Cunis and a lot of them, I mean, I think it was unfair because I don't think a lot of them weren't trying. I just think a lot of them were shite. But there was the there was accusations thrown that a lot of them didn't try, didn't care, and Stewart was somebody who definitely cared a lot, and Hearts fans took that to heart. But by the second half of the season, he was he'd been rubbish for weeks because <laughs> in the end, Michael Stewart wasn't a, a brilliant player, uh, and he would he would work very hard, uh, but I, I often thought he worked too hard to the point to and to clarify what I mean by that. Like, if, if a fullback had the ball, Michael Stewart would run full pelt at the fullback to, to, to close him down. Now, that, I mean, gagging press and all that, maybe he was ahead of his time when nobody else in the team was doing it. But he would, he would run so fast and out of control that literally all the fullback had to do was take a, like a step to one side and Stewart would just fly past him and then try to turn around and, and inevitably slip on the turf as he tried to turn around and then he was completely out of the game. And I was like, well, what was the point in that? <laughs> Well, that, you, look that, like you, you look like you've tried to do something, but you've actually done fuck all. That's when he did his best shouting at teammates, though. Yes. Was when, he, was when he'd fallen over trying to close someone down, and then he'd turn around and blame uh, sort of Scott Robinson at the age of 16 or something. Like that, that, was, that was Michael Stewart at his finest, uh, I would say. But he gets number 20 on our list, and that's us. This was a sesh. About an hour yeah. long. Yeah. Enjoy that, guys. Maybe yeah, I'm just so- starving. I'm just starving now. <laughs> okay, we better wrap I, up then. <laughs> I could, I could eat like. I could eat. Uh, I'm not sure where I've put this. I'm going to put this on Patreon or uh, the main show yet. So I will wrap up by doing the usual outro for the main show, which is saying if you'd like to hear more, check out patreoncom podcast. We we're very thankful to the people who are continuing to 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 pledge money to us and to help us grow. Uh, I mean, there's for the fact is that Rob Rob's not got a microphone yet but he should have a microphone arriving every uh, any day now Graham's had a microphone in, in recent days uh, Graham uh, Craig Telfer's also been given one Sean's been given one Tony's been given one I think after listening to the last 
uh, night's podcast. I'm going to get Gary on as well. Uh, there's there's mics going out everywhere. Also, obviously, you know, we paid it a lot for having the studio equipment in Glasgow that's barely been used because of, <laughs> of the of the lockdown. But this is all thanks to you guys. You're helping us grow, helping us get better. Uh, and we thank you for that. Uh, and if you're not a part of that, then you, you really should be because there's, there's just so much good content. And I know times are tight right now, but uh, you can always, you know, wait until things alleviate and then you can pay that $2 a month or $5 a month if you want access to everything or $7 a month if you want a fanzine and a t-shirt. We're still doing the fanzines and t-shirts, by the way. I'm not entirely sure that we're allowed to have hard copies of the fanzine and t-shirts might arrive, you know, next January, but you will get them. I promise that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, the best way to do so is uh, Twitter uh, at Terrace Podcast. And I think that's pretty much it. Guys, say goodbye. 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 And I'm Craig Fellow saying goodbye and stay safe. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.